Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Guitar Souls podcast. And this is a big one. We are at episode 150. Damn. And we are dramatically calling this one Goodbye, Mike. Sayonara, Slam Man. This is a bit of a tease, to be honest, because in the, uh, in the chat, uh so not not even the chat actually in the comments for the last video mm-hmm. we've had a couple of people asking about um the timestamps i've not been doing timestamps on the episodes for the last few weeks uh-huh. um, and the reason for that is twofold one we are recording later and later it's currently one o'clock in the afternoon on the day that the show goes up i'm to blame so i've still got to edit it render it get it uploaded and the editing process is super quick i, I don't watch through the show because there's not enough time to render it and upload it and do thumbnails and all of that so on the one hand there's not enough time to do the thumbnails uh, sorry to do the timestamps but on the other hand our viewing numbers are dropping and dropping and dropping every week now you may be able to say that that's because i'm not doing timestamps i don't believe that to be the case um that could be youtube algor- algorithms kicking us in the ass it could be that people just aren't interested in the show but point is i know some of you guys want those timestamps but as it currently stands this show maybe takes four hours of time a week and when you think about it that's kind of 10 percent of the average person's work week I can't put more time into something that's 10% of the average person's work week when actually viewing numbers are going down, not up. So if you want uh, more from us, if you want uh, timestamps and things like that, uh, share the show. Yes. Share the show. Simple as that. Tell your friends about the show. If the show isn't being watched, we can't put as much time into it. You'll get shorter and shorter shows with less and less effort going into them because mm. uh, we, we want to keep making the show, obviously. We're going to you know do our best to keep making a, a show for you every week. Big time. Yeah, but if we're making shows that only 50 people are watching, there's no way I can devote four hours of the week to, to doing those shows. So um, Yeah, but there you go. So that's the, that's the news. Uh, the goodbye Mike part of the show is not that Mike is leaving the show. Uh, though I, actually, I guess you are technically two weeks missing the show for two weeks. Actually, that's three kind weeks. of the fun thing, right? Three weeks, yeah. That's kind of the fun thing. You guys out there that don't want this show to end, we're going to give you a taster of what it's like to not have the guitar souls in your life for three weeks. Uh, if you don't like that, if you think that's awful, then share the show. And <laughs> that is three weeks for people to send us whatever they want to gsoulsfanmail at gmail.com. Exactly. Whatever you want. Anything yeah. and everything. Yeah, we got Andy Torrance's email to read through today, and there's about fifty discussion topics in there. So yeah, I think he went right down the rabbit hole. It was also him that suggested the one about the tube amps, so yeah. we can talk about that too. Sure. Um, so yeah, you're off to the states like tonight. Yes, I leave at nine p.m. Which will be fun. Obviously, we can't comment on why that is for visa reasons, but you know, for what reasons? For you know, being in the states. <laughs> yeah, Redacted. I do find that whole thing, you know. It's very, very, very strange. And I'm just going to stay with my family. What are you scary. talking about in Yonkers? Yeah. It's nice, having, nice having family out there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Be good to see them. Um, sweet. So I'm trying to think if there's anything to report other than that. Um, well, I mean, we, we did miss quite a bit of the intro. One of your hosts, big handsome Levi Clay, is here with his good friend, Mike, big Mike McLaughlin. You're absolutely right. I just, I didn't, I didn't even do the normal. We went yeah. straight into it because it's episode 150. It's yeah. a bit of a weird episode, to be fair. And yeah. we also, um, Full dis- discretion because I have it. I full disclosure rather. I was supposed to be here at twelve. I didn't make it because I had other things to fucking try and deal with, including medication and whatever else. Anyway, I'm not bored. You, poor Levi has basically had me walk in the door and he's went right. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a rush too. Um, just, I mean, editing these these shows can sometimes give you squeaky pants syndrome. You know, it's like it's more youtube you like upload the podcast to youtube and sometimes it just sits in your channel going processing will begin shortly processing will begin shortly and you're like what 
I've already uploaded you. Yeah. Fucking put it on the Cop- show. Copyright checks will begin shortly. This is after it's uploaded. It's like, it can sit like that for an hour and it's like, it doesn't need copyright checks. It's not monetized. It doesn't fucking matter. Don't, like, don't do this to me. I actually completely, uh, you should have seen the panic on my face last week. I uploaded the show, got it uploaded, but I didn't schedule it as a premiere, mm-hmm. a live premiere. I just scheduled it to go live at nine o'clock. So like, you know, a couple of minutes to nine rolls around and I'm logging on to go into the chat. And every time I click to the video, it's not taking me to, to a live video. It's taking me to just an actual video. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And then I realized what I'd done. Mm-hmm. I'm not lying. I was in the house. I realized what I'd done with one minute to go before the live premiere. So you have never seen me move so fast. I jumped up, ran out of the house, came out here, unlocked the door. Fortunately, my PC was on because I never turn it off at the moment um, and managed to get in there with at about the moment with about 13 seconds to spare and switch it from just going live at nine o'clock to being a live premiere at nine o'clock. So well done, that well done. was a that was a panic. That was, But we made it. So, yeah, um, other than that, you're going to do your gigs. I'm I'm gigging again. And I'm in the zone now. I'm super in the zone. Played on Saturday and was just in the zone. Love to hear that. That was, that was good. That felt good. So um, that's us. I'm glad you're starting to enjoy it. Or starting to enjoy it more. I knew you were enjoying it to start with, but it can be a bit daunting getting back on stage if you've not done it for a while. I don't know. Not when you're as arrogant as me. Oh, well, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> you're like a megalomaniac. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the I guess moments like that do happen when you... Uh, when you're kicking into a solo and then suddenly people start picking up their fucking phones to, to video your solo to the, so they can send it to their pals. And you're like, come on, this isn't that sort of gig, guys. <laughs> Not a point. Don't put the pressure on. Um, but yeah. But that'll turn from being pressure to, fuck, I'm really enjoying this and I must be hitting it right. Oh yeah, I'm having a great time when exactly. I'm doing it. So looking forward to doing more of that. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I won't have updated the Ormsby ad. Definitely don't have the time. Uh, but speaking of which, did you know? This show is brought to you by our friends over at Ormsby Guitars. We want to remind you guys that there is still time to get involved in the upcoming Run 16 Guitars. Those include these incredible hypes available in five new colours. That Dragon Burst is absolutely stunning. You can also get your hands on one of the Metal X's, again available in a range of finishes. My personal pick has to be these headless Vs. Absolutely outrageously cool. Imagine one of those in an 8-string. I absolutely love these. And finally, the Ando San signature model available in 6, 7 and 8-string availability. Go and check them out at Ormsby's website right now. This show is also brought to you by our friends over at Rev Amplification, a one-stop shop for all of your tonal needs. Head on over to their website to check out their range of lunchbox amplifiers, both the D20 and G20, 20 watt amplifiers with built-in two notes torpedo technology so you can record direct into your computer. If that doesn't suit, you can also check out one of their highly popular G2, 3 and 4 pedals, giving you that trademark Rev tone in a stomp box. Incredible tones, I use these myself. And finally, you may notice in the back of these videos, a Rev Generator 120, an absolute masterclass in modern electric guitar tones. Check it out at their site now. So as always, a huge thanks to our friends and family over at both Ormsby Guitars and Rev Amplification. Don't listen to that ad. Don't listen to that ad at all. Those aren't the Ormsby's that you should go and check out. Run 17. Yeah, go on the website and check out the latest run of guitars where you can get involved in some of those cool-looking uh, Goliaths. And, Beautiful. We've got sparkle yeah. tops. We've got exotic tops. We've got lefties. And we've got Chris Zen's beautiful Strawberry Storm yeah. signature. So, so Okay, let's crack on. It. Let's do some fan mail. Yes. Uh, we are going to start with Dominic, just because I know it's a shorter email than Andy's. So <laughs> Dominic writes in. Yes, thanks, Dominic. Uh, hey, fuckers. Long time fan, though I may not be active in the community, as I always miss the live streams and watch my next morning while at work. Don't worry about that. 
love to see you there, but if you can't make it, you can't make it. Get yeah. the nine o'clock isn't going to be suitable for everybody, depending where you are. Uh, the episodes get me through a long day of emptying trashes and cleaning toilets. You may, however, remember me as the man behind the fake Lance account that joined in on the 100th episode. I mean, he's breaking my heart there telling us that was a fake Lance. I wanted that to be a real Lance. <laughs> you might get your wish. I mean, he has been fucking back on the internet. Yeah. somehow uh, anyway I've been wanting to release some serious music like an EP but putting my name on something official sounds daunting mostly I've been recording short clips of solos over riffs or meme videos shameless plug like my latest If Green Day Could Shred video I did see that actually um, these don't have a lot of pressure if the performance is a flub note or two the mix sucks or I just want to dabble in a style I'm not great at then so what it's just for fun you should probably feel that way about your music as well. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. As long as you're happy with it and you're putting out which, which organic yeah. to you. Anyway. If you can listen to some of your favourite recordings throughout history and find things on them that could be improved or aren't perfect, then why does your music need to be perfect? There's plenty of classics out there with flubs in them as well. Yeah, absolutely. The start of uh, the police, Roxanne. Yeah. See the, the, the cluster of notes? Mm. That was Sting sitting on the producer's keyboard and they just left it in. <laughs> it's a real thing. That's a happy accident rather than a bad performance. <laughs> you know what I mean though? Yeah, like yeah. It, it could have easily been cut out, but they went... Yeah. Nah, we'll just keep that in. Sure. Um, so do you guys think it's important anymore to release something official in today's climate or are I, uh, Instagram videos and such the way to go? Think of the success people like Rick Graham, Ichika, Asato, etc. have found with these types of clips. I mean, we're missing the even bigger one. Your brother. True. Yeah. <laughs> Should I hold back and stick with what I'm doing and comfortable with it until I feel I've finally found my own sound and I'm no longer insecure about it? Or should I do some more serious recording and treat it as part of the journey knowing I'll probably never feel totally satisfied or ready and might as well start now? I'm not really looking to make money with it either way, but rather just want to continue to improve and maybe build a small community of fans to interact with. Both. Yeah. Do both. Record yeah. your music as you want to. Yeah. Make your daft memes as you want to. And funnily enough, we mentioned Kieran. Yeah. That that's Kieran. Kieran did his silly memes as well as has been recording his own music for years and years and years. The memes were accidentally viral, and then he started putting some of the music that he had been recording out on the same channel, and yeah, which gives you an audience that will actually listen to it. Because... Yeah, and even if only a tenth of your audience that love the memes love your actual music, give us a fuck. Yeah. You're still putting it out there. Yeah, and people have got a vested interest in going. Well, I'm going to see if this is if this is for me yeah. or not. I definitely encourage you to to not focus on it feels like the wrong way of doing things but if you're enjoying making instagram videos short content where you're entertaining people at the end of the day uh i think that it's too easy to try and separate these things as like i'm making serious art or i'm making funny videos yeah. at, the, at the end of the day it's not that it's your both of those things come under the same category for me and it's serious art is something that entertains people and silly little videos are videos that entertain people. Mm. The goal should always be, at least for me, because I'm interested in making things that other people enjoy rather than things that I enjoy, mm -hmm. um, it should be making stuff that other people enjoy. So, yeah, if you're making Instagram videos, you have to accept that the times that we live in now, uh, the attention span of the average listener is shorter. We, yes. we expect shorter songs, we expect shorter content. That's why Instagram is so popular for this sort of stuff. So The thing about Instagram as well, you've mentioned that as the platform specifically facebook is a dying platform yeah. that's the, we were speaking about that on your post last night or that was at least my comment instagram reels have a crazy organic reach if you do well but it's like any sort of social media it is a gamble yeah if a couple of people see it and share it and it starts hitting into the, the algorithm and you, yeah. you're laughing um tiktok is the same but rather than focusing on like the business end of it of getting as many people as you can to view it try and get people who are interested in viewing it because yeah. they'll naturally share it and then that'll go for there itself well i don't know if i agree with that last part i well, don't think they will share it and that's my big problem with with the where the internet is now we've forgotten that people that make content for us 
rely on us in order to spread that content and if mm. you don't spread said if you see something that you really really like and you don't tell one person about it then that content fundamentally dies with you um and so if you do see something that you enjoy share it for example the guitar souls podcast <laughs> get it shared bros uh yeah and, and his, sisters his last sentence mm-hmm. would be great to hear your thoughts on it and if that vague question isn't entertaining enough here's a bonus which of you two has the worst farts? Can we get a fart off where instead of me, uh, drinking old fashions, you chug cans of beans? I'm not going to chug cans of beans, but um, I think we're probably tied on the most volatile farts. I think the reality of the situation is uh, we wouldn't know the answer to that question because I can honestly say I've never smelt one of Mike's farts and I don't think Mike's ever smelt one of my farts. Really? We don't have one of... We, well, I don't want to say we don't have that sort of friendship, but we don't find ourselves in... Like, I'm not in a tour bus with you ever. Mm. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, it's not. So, it's not so right. really, what you're asking, Dominic, is Melissa's opinion versus like Nancy's or yeah, oh, yeah. the band members? Yeah, because they they've had it. That's they've, what they've... we should really do for the next three weeks. We'll just have Melissa and Nance sit down and do ah, a podcast I... on our behalf, where they can dish dirt on us. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Um. Yeah. Cool. So, thank you for that. Um, Fuck the Tories. You're right, Dominic. Thanks very much for writing that, Appreciate Andy, it. Andy has written in with 21 subjects. Yes. So we're not going to do all of them now. We will absolutely be coming back to some of these, but... Uh, I was going to say we could quickfire like. them and see if MDL sends up joining in. That, I just think that there might be uh, uh, longer conversations mm-hmm. in, in some of these, and those, those will be great for future episodes. Cool. So, well, if you know yeah. what ones you want to keep for yeah. uh, future episodes, I'll let you read through the list and yeah. you can pick. Right. I'll tell you what, we, what we'll maybe do. We will we'll quickfire them. And just give a quick answer to each one of them. And come back and expand on it. And then if there's some that we want to come back and expand on, then we'll come back and expand on them. I'm down with that. Right, yeah. cool. So Andy wrote, Hey guys, talking to Mike last week about the possibility of some quickfire questions for you both to discuss. But also a suggestion is some of the frustrating guitar and music questions have always seemed to pop up on forums and in videos. It'd be good to get your answers and hopefully some arguments. No adding other options. You need to pick one of the two. Yeah. Most are not my questions, so don't blame me if any stupidity comes from this. That's your own doing. Fair Andy, thanks very much mate And uh, your other one about the, the uh, tubes Is going to be a really interesting one yep. That'll be a, probably quite a deep conversation Anyway, go t- uh, Number one, neck through or bolt on? Bolt on Bolt on cool. uh, It doesn't really matter but bolt on Number two, EMG or Seymour Duncan? Seymour Duncan I'm going to say the same Even yeah. though EMGs are probably better for playing thrash metal yeah. and stuff Given they compress Really the question for me there is uh, is Active, active or pass. passive and, and it's wrong to assume EMG automatically equals active uh just as it's wrong to assume that seymour duncan automatically equals passive correct but um yeah generally speaking it's considerably more active emg pickups than seymour duncan so seymour duncan yes i'm the same um playing versus practice any difference yes practice is conscious practice of repetitions of certain things playing is more so probably finding where you're comfortable yeah. Initially, I thought the question here was pick one, playing or practice, but it's not. The question is, is there a difference? And the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's also important to note that you should be doing both of those things. My weekly guided pla- practice routines, plug, uh, new one going up tomorrow, uh, those are about actual practice. Now, yes. I'm starting to introduce elements of playing into those because you cannot become a great player by just practicing exercises. You need to start introducing elements of playing into your practice routines. But yeah, you the two, two different things definitely number four best album which showcases the most guitar techniques that's a really hard one to yeah, be honest that's i wouldn't want to um that's what we'd have to think about what certainly one i'd have to think about and come back to i would put it out there potentially guthrie govan erotic cakes considering it has got a Fair lot shout. on it Fair um shout. or passion and warfare 
maybe. You could... Vi, there's a lot on that of weird shit, but it's mostly like I'd throw out the, um, over the, top of it. the MVP uh, Mike Varney project centrifugal funk record because that features uh, Frank Gambali and Brett Garced and Sean Lane. Um, Is that the one with Hey Bone on it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, something ridiculous yeah. then. I, so you've got one of the best sweet pickers in the world, uh, one of the best fast shreddy alternate pickers in the world, and one of the best hybrid pickers in the world. Um, all doing their thing so and one of the best legato players uh so just throwing all of those in there you know what you asked was uh most techniques, most techniques and that one's going to showcase a lot <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. um number five downstrokes or alternate picking depends what you're playing i'm going to say alternate picking personally i think downstrokes come in there but i think playing a full song of downstrokes might limit you yeah. whereas if you can alternate pick and pick when you want to downstroke yeah. You're laughing. Yeah, set, it's all set and dependent. Uh, and again, weekly guided practice routines. The drill is always alternate picking for for the last seven weeks. It's always been developing that alternate picking technique mm -hmm. because you need to have good alternate picking technique. But when it comes to me actually playing, actually improvising, um, especially if I'm playing a blues, uh, I will downstroke probably ninety percent of my notes, mm -hmm. and it's because of the the way I hit that downstroke, pushing more into the body of the guitar, gets more bass and projection out of the note, um, and I'm doing it for tonal reasons, not for technique reasons. Sometimes it's incredible inefficient to do it that way but i'm doing it that way because i'm thinking about the sound more than i'm thinking about the how difficult it is to get the sound definitely it's it's all about putting that sound forward yeah. number six it's 2040 tube amp or digital which sells more now digital digital because tubes are gone <laughs> forever maybe not but you know what i mean yeah. um, anyway that's another conversation for another day number seven marshall or fender amps clean or distorted it's yeah. really important really important definitely unless you're going to buy a fender yeah. evil twin yeah. Fender, usually quite a lot of gain on tap, but unusable. Marshall, <laughs> nah, less headroom, but a lot more gain. So, I'm a, I'm a clean player primarily now, so I have to say I have to say Fender. And actually, um, I've not owned a Marshall in over a decade, whereas I had a Fender amp recently. So I have to go Fender there. Well, I'll go Marshall then, just to split the, the fucking options. And, I mean, you're an overdrive player, so that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And not just that, like, for anybody in the UK who started playing metal the chances are you cut your teeth on playing marshals yeah. every practice room on the planet has a jcm 900 sure <laughs> every and every person on the planet has had one run in with an, a marshall ng yeah. let's be honest number eight ormsby's best model from their import runs and why i'm going to goliaths yeah because they're, they're great you know this yourself andy yeah. they're lightweight you, you had a moor edition the same as mine yeah. and you sadly stupidly got rid of it yeah, yeah. but you, you've said yourself a thousand times over if you're going to get another one it's going to be your goliath it's i wanted to say the rusty perfect. coolie because i think the rusty coolie offers more features i think it's a it's a um the things that it does are, are so unique to it and so cool that it's that it's an impressive instrument very much so. but actually as an all-rounder I mean, the Goliath's not really a blues guitar, but <laughs> you can get away with that. It's my output yeah. pickups. I can't, um, I can't say enough for the shape, the weight, the the leg rest on it. Yeah, definitely the ergonomics. It's just yeah. <coughs> number nine, live cable or wireless. Depends. Depends on how big stages and how good your wireless yeah. is and how good your yeah. cables are. <laughs> yeah, no reason to run wireless if you're on a tiny stage, um, and if you're on a massive stage. Um, no reason to have miles and miles of cable when you can get good wireless stuff. And of course, if you're on a big enough stage where wireless is a viable option, you're probably making enough money from big enough stages that you can afford good wireless. So, yeah. Yes, very much so. Number 10, Rev G20 or D20? G20. Yeah, well, we both have a G20. Um, I have no real reason to have a G20. I actually kind of wish I had the D20 now. I should look into the differences between the two. 
if because I I can't believe that the G20 is just the D20 with more options, you know. But more game. I, I could be wrong on that. So. That's more game voices as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, Eleven tapping or sweep picking. <laughs> what suits the song better? What's what's going to yeah, to, uh, tell the story you're trying to tell? Generally speaking, um, I I prefer sweep picking. Uh, because it fits in in with my my the sound that I hear better, mm-hmm. um, and I I employ a lot of it for kind of uh, fusion runs, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a harder technique to do. So uh, generally speaking, if I need to do something fast, my tapping technique is the one that's no I've never had to really maintain it. So you know I didn't pull out any sweet picking licks on the gig at the weekend, but when I was playing shaky ground, I did do some three note per string pentatonic. Um, string skippy tappy things just to annoy Melissa so <laughs> <laughs> so the real question is there tapping or sweet picking to upset your gigging partner yeah uh, 12 single coils or humbuckers 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 that you can uh, coil tap single coils yeah single coils <laughs> nah nah again I'm playing clean but yeah. that's the thing it's like horses for courses yeah. it's like um, I, the hum does annoy me don't get me wrong the hum absolutely annoys me uh, What I guess what I'm going for is single coil sound but without hum my danny gatton pickups they are technically humbuckers in the sense that they they do they are dual coil they but come yeah but they sound like single coil pickups mm-hmm. so i'm going for that single coil sound which you can get i think they, is it a stacked single they call that yeah yeah there you go best of both worlds um amp and pedals or a kemper slash axe effects pedals I, i'm going to say it depends on your what you're trying to achieve yeah if you are not bothered about carrying about a pedal board and an amp and fucking about with wiring and cabling and making sure your pedals are all sorted and power supplies and yeah. buffers and whatever else fucking fill your boots you want something that's a bit more simple and straight you just have everything and, and you've got one pedal board that just lets you select different yeah. presets Kemper and Axe FX so personal preference um, single cut or double cut guitars double aye I'm the same, and but again, that's just a horses for courses thing. Yeah. I don't think that I go on well with most single cuts, but that doesn't mean that I don't like them. Sure. And I haven't obviously played every single cut in the world, so that'd be pretty shitty, mate, to say. Um, number 15, most overrated Hendrix. guitar guitarist. Hendrix. Hendrix? Yeah. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Fuck it. <laughs> Not because Hendrix is a, is a terrible guitar player. No. It's just because he's held in such high regard. Well, you know what? Slash, he's he. Well, oh, yeah, fair one. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Hendrix is just on that Mount Everest, and mm-hmm. for every guitar magazine ever, he will always top the charts as the best guitar player that ever lived. Yeah, and um, he was an important guitar player, but my God, he was not the best guitar player. Mm. So yeah, fair. Um, number sixteen, you are picking your own G three tour. <laughs> Who is playing? Ooh, does that mean that I can replace Vi and Satriani? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So we're picking three. You got three in mind? Um, Eric Johnson, mm-hmm. I think, would be cool to see in a setting like that. Um, can I go Eric Johnson three times? No, Eric Johnson, <laughs> um, Derek Trucks. Fred Garson? I, I was Sean thinking Lane. that, but. Do they have to be alive? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't specify. Uh, I've given I've given you two. Come back to me, and I'll have a third for you. What, have you got any thoughts? Yes, I definitely have. Sure. Megadeth will be the backing band, and we're going to have Chris Poland, Kiko Lorio, and Marty Friedman. <laughs> easy, so fucking easy. Um, they're going to play their own eras, and then they're going to have a super jam at the end. And you know what? Ellison's going to be there. 
fuck you, Dave. <laughs> um, it's my tour. I'm paying it. <laughs> yeah, obviously I'm overthinking this because you said Kiko and I'm like, oh, you know what? I've seen, I love Kiko's solo music. I've seen Kiko live before. He's great. Um, so I could throw Kiko in there, but is there someone else that I'd rather see in there? If I can put a dead person in there, do I want to see Danny Gatton? You know, I, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. But Eric Johnson, yeah, definitely. Um, Eric Johnson, Derek Trucks, and... Danny Gatton. Sure. Roy Buchanan. Sure. Buster B. Jones. Buster B. Jones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, got it. If we can pick dead person, Jerry Reed. All right, okay. All right. <laughs> That'd be a pretty fucking start, kill G3. Yeah, start reeling off dead people, though. I'm just going to be like, you know, give me some Joe Pass or Pat Martino. Now that he's, there's there's he's loads of options. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah. Let's not overthink it. Yeah. Let's, just... uh, let's be realistic. No one's coming to my G3, though. <laughs> <laughs> me and you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Lyle. I think he would fancy it. Yeah. Number 17, rhythm or lead? Rhythm. Aye, rhythm. Yeah. You can't play lead without rhythm. Uh, Unless your lead player, oh, that's not true, I guess. You can play lead where you are just playing a constant stream of notes, but the thing that takes you from playing great lead guitar into playing amazing lead guitar is that you have a degree of rhythm to your playing. And where do you learn about good rhythm? By playing rhythm. Where do you learn about how to play good, strong melodies over things? Learn about rhythm guitar. Learn about, and I don't just mean like literally the rhythm there, the harmony. You need to understand chords and how they work yes. because that improves your overall lead playing. That's why Kiko sounds as good as he does um, he's because he has an understanding of harmony, you know? So rhythm. Rhythm. The only time you don't need rhythm is when you accidentally end up in the June films because if you don't walk with rhythm then you won't attract the worm. Number 18. Difference between beginner, intermediate and advanced guitarist in your opinion. See, I was going to say... Comfort. Um, uh, unless you play in Slayer, then you don't need rhythm. Yeah, well, I'm not as that. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's not fair. Dave Lombardo's a ridiculous drummer. Yeah. I, I meant as a soloist, like, to be Kerry King. I'm making fun of Kerry King. I, 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 okay, that's fine. <laughs> as long as you're not making fun of Jeff Hanneman, we'll no. be okay. No. All right, not speak of the dead. Certainly not the best guitarist in the band. Um, so, difference between beginner, intermediate, and advanced guitarist, in your opinion, means is comfort. Um, would be my answer. That's a, a a good way of putting things. Yeah, like confidence on the instrument mm-hmm. is is the thing that helps to elevate you. But when I say comfort, like confidence, you can be confident as a beginner and still be shit. Comfort is knowing where to play and where to not, and what to do and what not to mm. do. In my mind, comfortable within the 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 the. the, the uh, the context of whatever you're playing when it's over a backing track with a band. I'll tell you what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with uh, the difference is how the person describes themselves. That tells me a lot about about how good a player is. If you ask them how good a player they are, a, a really great player, an advanced player, will never, ever, ever describe themselves as an advanced player because the more you learn about music, the more you realise how little you know. Um, whereas... On on the reg, I will get people contacting me for guitar lessons, and they'll describe themselves as intermediate to advanced players. And I occasionally have people that describe themselves as relatively advanced players. And without a shadow of a doubt, you just know in the back of your mind, you're absolutely not. You're but absolutely not. The difficulty in that is if you're answering that and you say you're like an advanced player, like in what context? In one genre? Are you a jack of all trades? Is there one certain technique that you excel at and the rest you're not good at? Are you brilliant at theory but maybe not good at practice? Are you great at practical but not that good at theory? That's when the advanced part comes in and you need to really contextualise that because yeah. a beginner could be an every facet or even yeah. just one. So, yep. You should measure your strengths based on the weakest link in the same sense that a blended whiskey will always be listed with the youngest whiskey first. Sure. Fair. I like that. That's a nice analogy. Yeah. There we go. Right. 19. You've got 10K. You can buy an amp, a guitar, and three pedals. What are you getting? I know what I'm getting. So, 
well, he hasn't kind of clarified. Let, let's assume you don't have anything. You know, you currently don't. You have nothing. No, because... you're just building a new rig. This is going to be what you're going to use. Yes. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna buy myself myself uh, a ten grand is a lot of money. To to be fair, um, you can buy a lot with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna get myself a. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm probably gonna get myself a Fender Custom Shop Telly. Ooh. Um, just because they're reliable. Mm -hmm. um, That's fair. Super reliable. High end Telecaster. Uh, and I can buy half your budget though. <laughs> yeah, because I don't need a lot of budget for the rest. Nah. Uh because again, I'm not I'm not after mega boutique amps. Like I could get by with a nice fender basement amp. Mm -hmm. Um so uh, great I, platform for pedals and it sounds great in its own. Yeah. Uh and the three pedals would be um my uh my Wampler reverb pedal mm -hmm. is is a must have. I use mm -hmm. it more so than anything. It's on at all times to add a little bit of I don't um, think I've space. ever seen it off your board. Yeah. Even um, back to when you stayed in your first flat when you moved up here. Do I need an overdrive? I, currently, current for the stuff I'm playing currently, it would need to be my auto wah because I use that way more than I care to admit. Um, and I ne I can't believe I'm saying this, right? It's but great for texture. Yeah, my Fender rotary pedal simulator, the Leslie Sim. Mm -hmm. um, I love that pedal. I love it. I'm using it all the fucking time. I'm just really good things. Wanting to stick it on, it just it just adds. So bring all depth to your guitar sound um, yeah. and makes you not sound like a guitar. It's texture, isn't it? Yeah. Which I think helps you fit into yeah. the, the context of a band so much more than just having a guitar that like yeah. cuts through and hurts your ears. Yeah. But I get, with most pedals, your pedal's either on or it's off. And the thing mm -hmm. I love about that pedal is it's got the on and off bypass, but then it's got the ramp button on it, which would be like flicking on the the, the, the ramp switch on a Leslie speaker. Doubles the so speed or something, so it, doesn't it? Yeah, but it doesn't just immediately double the speed. You set how fast the, the speaker would start speeding up. Mm -hmm. So it takes you from that, that slow wobble to like a really fast wobble or as fast as you want it to be. And being able to control when it does that is a really nice, like very organic thing because mm -hmm. I, I really love organ players uh, more so than ever now. And when you watch them playing, the amount of times they're playing and then flicking that Leslie switch and controlling it to, to really help their sound breathe is, is super cool. So being able to do that with my foot on the guitar, I love it. So It's like go. it's like a an, an alternative to uh, vibrato in some sense, isn't it, mm. really, in that regard? Yeah. Um, I think that's why I love Chris Poland so much because he doesn't sound like a guitarist. <laughs> But he does at the same time. Sure. It's like a really cool blend. Yeah. Right, I've got 10 grand. Uh, I'm going to buy three clone centaurs and then I'm just going to have an infinite budget. So, <laughs> I won. <laughs> Is that your actual answer? You're not going to give us no, that? No, I think I would probably, genuinely, I'd probably buy myself a Rev Gen 3. Um, I would have uh, the Generator 120 Gen 3. I would have a custom shop, either a Goliath or there's a couple of ideas I've had for a custom that I would absolutely love. Um, that I would propose that Perry build for me. Big please. Three pedals. Um, Strobo Stomp. Peterson Strobo Stomp because I want a good tuner. A good tuner. Um, Deadwall Duality DX yeah, because I'm going to have an overdrive and a noise gate that I can do four gate, fucking yeah. cable method which is just what you want. Um, third pedal. Do you really need three pedals? Oh, no, you absolutely don't need it. Do you, do you use an EQ? Graphic EQ? I had an EQ, funnily enough, Andy bought it off me. Um, when I was running the fly rig, 
yep. with the G3 and stuff just for a bit of extra and it was also a really good boost into the G3 so yep. it made like just you could that's what I was going to say like ramp the, the gain if you wanted to and still yeah. have full control of where the EQ sits yeah. using a, an EQ pedal as a, as a boost pedal in, in your setting or uh, of course to give yourself like a, a sound that really cuts through in solos seems like something that's not a bad idea I had it on constantly and I just yeah. had it feeding right, into right. the G3 and, the, and like that would let me go right cool well maybe the blue channel maybe yeah. through whatever cab I'm using is maybe a bit too bass a bit far it's not got much treble right cool there we go you're laughing so you just stick to two pedals no I'm going to go with a 10 band you've, okay. you've convinced me okay keep going live album or studio album depends how good the live album is and how good the studio album is <laughs> yeah yeah and they're, they're both arts they're both forms of art mm -hmm. you know uh, I love a really great live album but then I listen to more improvised music i listen to more improvisational bass music i listen to music where uh actually a lot of the studio recordings are a band live in the studio mm -hmm. you know so um i guess a, a kind of middle ground of the two where it's as much live as possible but in the studio because of course it's a live take but you can do as many takes as you want to what, get the take that you like what you're saying is you love iron maiden i definitely don't love iron maiden that's how they record that's, all live takes and then just chop them together Let's make that clear. Don't love Iron Maiden. <laughs> you should, though. You really should. Um, it depends entirely on the band and who it is that's producing it and yeah. what the outcome's going to be. There is a... Not a band I'm particularly big on, which is going to be blasphemy aimed that it's a slam fan, but I don't really know all that much Suffocation stuff. But for what I've heard of the new Suffocation live album, the mix on it is absolutely fucking unreal. Mm. Like, much better than any studio stuff, to my ears, but... Again, the, the reason I'm not really that into suffocation is I haven't managed to get my ear into understanding all of the layers in the recordings because yeah. they're, I don't know if they're low quality, but they're definitely raw. And there's a lot of death metals like that, a lot of brutal death right. metals like that. Um, that's a band I've just not managed to get my ear around, but that live recording's fucking like, disgustingly good. Even my, you would like it. My logic with uh, with a thing like that is like when you listen to, if you talk about, about a band like Iron Maiden or a band like that, Suffocation, Suffocation mm -hmm. um, what is the live element adding to proceedings? If you're essentially, if you're all standing up and you're all playing the, the thing that you know that you're playing, you know, you're playing your parts, then what is the live thing brought to proceedings other than the complexity of the recording, like it being harder to get a good recording, mm -hmm. and be the ability to brag about the fact that, well, this was recorded live? How much of the energy? The... I think there's a different energy to live recordings than there are to most studio recordings. Even for bands who are doing a live recording in a studio. For example, the, the, the Tesseract stuff where they're in the studio, the ones with Dan, and the stuff where they've got uh, Ash from the Altered State album. Sure. All tremendous, but they're studio quality. I don't know. There's, I don't know. There, there, there's some magic sauce in a live recording that's done well. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to keep coming back to that because I'm into that improvised thing so much. Live recordings are, are more appealing. Because you get people playing off of each other. But, I mean, there's another element to it, yeah, the element of surprise, when things either go perfect or they go wrong and you see a band and their element go, not a problem, yeah. we'll just we'll do what we need to do. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, last question. Number 21. Is 100 watts too much now? Depends on the venue. Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, though, I'm using... Ultimately, if you're in a big enough venue, 100 watts should, in theory, be too much because your rig's going to be mic'd up, right? I mean, the chances are you're not going to be using 100 watts anyway. The yeah. majority of people are pl probably playing a cab with two speakers on it that are rated at 30 watts. So you're going to be pushing 60 max. I'm currently using... I know it's not how wattage works, but... A 20-watt head going into a 2x12 cab, and that head is basically 
dimed. I'm basically running that at 10. Um, what would you want from a valve amp, to be honest? Maybe not completely flat out, but yeah. you certainly want to be pushing it. Yeah, it would be, I mean, it's still clean, which is which is what I'm after, right? <laughs> Thankfully, it doesn't break up on that top end, which is nice. But um, yeah, I wouldn't need to do that if I was using a 100-watt amp, but then I wouldn't be using the 100-watt to its full potential. So, no, no. Headroom's good, as long as you're not taking the piss. Yeah. If you've got a 100-watt head and you're running it at a 5-watt version, or 5-watt mode, kind of waste of money to, right. to have all those valves thanks for that Andy we're going to power yes. through some stories Andy and Dominic thanks again boys 25 minutes or so yes yes um, yes we're not even going to read this I'm just mentioning it I, where possible even if I'm not a big fan of the band I think just quickly mentioning new stuff that's coming out isn't a bad idea um, so I just saw that Ramstein have announced they've got a new album Zeit is coming and they've released their first single if you are into Ramstein uh, or maybe you enjoyed them when you were younger and you forgot all about them. And if you're not into Ramstein, you are wrong. Yeah, they have a new single. Go and check it out. Great band. I mean, maybe. we might even see Till Shag and other women while he's underneath <laughs> the stage live and stuff, as as he does. Yeah. Anyway, it'd be good to hear that. So the next one we've got is a Music Radar article called Six Money Mistakes Made by Musicians and How to Avoid Them. I mean, all six of them are don't become a musician. Yeah. Really? Am, am, I, am I wrong? Unless you end up being one of the very, very lucky, like John Mayer or Joe Bonamassa. Sure. So number one is believing creative people are bad with money. It's doesn't. It doesn't. That's not really a statement in its own right. Uh, it's what you take from that. It's easy to believe that creative people are bad with money, um, but if you are a creative person, unless you believe that creative people are bad with money, therefore I shouldn't be good with money. Then yeah. I about you a weird. I don't know. Creative people do tend to be bad with money, but that doesn't mean that if you're a creative person, you have to be bad with money. Simple as It really is as simple as that. Correlation and causation so, aren't the same thing. Yeah, going to skip past that one. Taking on liabilities. This is the bit most people will skip, but it's the most important principle to understand about money. Assets are things that produce an income. Uh, perhaps a studio, a flat you rent out, intellectual property, stocks, etc. Liabilities are things that are a drain on your finances, i.e. debts. If you think of money flowing like water, then assets are the tap and liabilities are holes in the container. You are the container. Plug the holes. What part of being a musician means that you have to take on more liabilities than anybody else? What makes you creative? The creative people instantly lose money? Well, it's, it's not that you're more likely to take on more liabilities than other people, I think. But I think that... You should be more conscious of them? We should be more conscious of them because our ability to uh, have things that generate income are considerably less reliable than than people that have a nine-to-five, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't get how being a creative would then mean that you are necessarily more risk or more likely to risk of liabilities. I don't think it's that you're more likely to to be at risk of liabilities. I think that it's it's if you are uh, a musician, that it's more important that you deal with said liabilities hmm. than if you just, you know, if you're a doctor, you don't worry about the liabilities in your life because, you know, it's okay. Whereas taking on liabilities hmm. as a musician um, can eventually lead to you not being able to be a musician anymore but really it's just saying treat it as a business and be yeah. savvy so okay yeah, sound. but we'll, we'll finish his point on this because he, there may be more to it you want me to read the rest of it yeah yeah cool um, not all of us can quickly acquire assets but we can all try to reduce the amount we spend on liabilities that means avoiding big obvious things like pricey car loans or credit card debt wherever possible it's also about trying to spot the things that we might tell ourselves are assets but later become liabilities for instance the 1957 stratton backer may look and sound like nothing else and you may even start to feel like it's worth the hefty price tag however think forward if the intonation goes awry every time he's exposed to a humid club and you spend your tour days seeking out guitar shops and paying to hear the knowing chuckles of local luthiers, well, you're in liability land. 
The same goes for the beers you chuck on a credit card as you're networking. It is, if you're putting beers on a credit card, <laughs> I don't think you don't need to worry about networking. Yeah. It's the music industry. There may well be booze involved, but don't leave yourself paying interest on it. That's just robbing future you. That's how liabilities work. An easy choice now makes it much harder for you to do this down the line. It's and a, vice versa. It's a really boring subject to, to have to talk about, um, but I think stuff like this is important. And he said that, you know, this is the, the one that people skip over. Um, Fair. But yeah, just... I, I would just say drinking in general, you know, we mentioned this on the podcast before, um, drinking in general is a liability. It's a liability you introduce into your life. Reduce the amount that you drink and then you, you reduce the amount of spillage that's coming out of your out of your tanker. You're you're plugging that leak. I'm not saying I never drink, but I see people turn up to do a gig that they get paid seventy pounds to do and they'll drink three pints while they're there that they buy. And it's like and they'll get a taxi to and from the gig. And it's like that right there. Seventy pounds already isn't realistically enough to to build a career on in gigs, but when you're then you know pissing money back into the bar because that's just the done thing, and you're hanging around after the gig and having drinks and talking with everybody, like you are that you are introducing liability into your life. And I know that you as many people listen to this podcast aren't interested in becoming professional musicians, and I totally understand and respect that. But there are some of you out there that are looking to make more of a career in things, mm-hmm. and these are just the important things that you really... No one thinks about these things, but you should think about these things um, because that it makes one. your life easier in, in trying to have that career that you want. So Big time, especially when you're on the road yep. and stuff. Yep. Um, number three, buying new gear. Depends on the gear, depends on the price, and depends on how you're going to use it. Yep. I think it probably is a money mistake for a lot of musicians to just be like, cool, we're at this level, therefore I need to invest in X or Y now. Yep. Unless that's a, a, a complete essential or it actually improves your ability to perform and the experience for the crowd, could be a waste of money. Yeah. not saying don't splash out and like look after yourself if you are in a position to do so and it's going to be good for you long term, but... I was looking at some new gear yesterday, actually, and you... It, you may see it several times, not this particular one, but the Brent Mason Telecaster keeps showing up in the ads because there's one on Reverb that I was that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, had it in my basket and everything. But then I'm like, do I need to spend £1,800 right now? Yeah. It's not about need. To what end? Like, You're a musician, it's not about need. <laughs> You're a guitarist, it's definitely not about need. Yeah, I, exactly. And and hopefully this is where he's going to go with it. So let him, let him I'm going to buy some fucking primer. I'm just going to spray that squire <laughs> for you. Um, buy new gear. Well, it makes sense to avoid leaky liabilities wherever you can. If that's not possible, focus on minimising them instead. The same goes for any expenses and gear is a prime candidate here. Correct. This means that instead of just buying something new, question what you need for it for, why and how long, then see if you can get a similar result for less. Or, even better, for free. For instance, if you're heading into the studio and need richer pickings in your bar tour board, set a hit in the guitar shop, send a word among musicians' friends that you'd like to borrow anything they can for spare for a fortnight. You can usually amass a pretty diverse collection of new and inspiring toys to play with for a few weeks. The danger of that is, you start incorporating that into your recordings, then you want to introduce that to your live shows. Yeah. Before you've went for about one pedal that does a couple of things on cool tracks, <laughs> you need to buy six to mask that. Yeah. Very careful how you put that advice out. Uh, If you then find something you love and it's truly essential for future performances, then fair enough. But at least you'll know it before you buy it and you'll look for it secondhand. Even then, buying six pedals secondhand versus buying one. (laughs) Just just my personal experience, you need to be careful with that because as musicians, guitarists especially, we are very easily led with the shiny, shiny. We're fucking crows, really. (laughs) Number four, leaving home. 
Yeah, I realise it's not a good look to be hauling your half-stack back to your mum's place after gigs. However, the more intent you are on making music your main career, the more you're going to need to keep your expenses. And rent is the single biggest win on that front. I'm going to jump in here and tell this person to go fuck themselves. Big time, not everybody has a house that our mum and dad that, that can support them in that regard. It's not even about that, right? Even if you do, even if you have an incredibly loving and supportive family, I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with with living at home. Of course there isn't. Living with your parents, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But if you are like leaving home and becoming your own stable functional person who has their own place that they live is an important part of the life experience and if you're if you're having to give that up in order to do music music isn't worth it (laughs) it really just isn't like i if i had to move back in with my parents that absolutely isn't an option in order to keep doing music i would do something else Mm -hmm. i would absolutely do something else so uh, he's right about it being uh um, you know, the biggest win is saving money on on rent and things like that. But it's just, it's not worth it. Like living on your own is an important part of being a human. I think not on your own, but you know, not not living under the stewardship of your parents. Very much. It's it's, it's a a coming of age, and that age can change for different people. Obviously, age is stage for everybody. Yeah. Everybody makes their decisions in their own time, um, at their own uh, leisure. And some people won't leave home, but that's got nothing to do with being a musician. Yeah. I think that's a bit of a redu- I, I think the point being if you can minimise your outgoings and rent being a big one then great but we've kind of covered that above in terms of be careful of your liabilities and there, there are some things that that just can't realistically be compromised on he's about to talk about like rehearsal spaces and things like that mm-hmm. in theory there are web services that provide zero latency um, for for practice for for playing live with other musicians you say zero latency no no there are services that provide actual zero latency now as long as you're within a 500 mile radius you can like people literally can jam improvise play jazz with each other um live that i'm not saying that there isn't a platform that could offer that in their own infrastructure yeah not everybody's got the internet to have that zero latency sure. with each other. Sure. So that there's other factors involved in yeah, that yeah. can't but really be mitigated. What I'm going for I, I with this is, is there are, there are services like that, but there is never going to come a time where I would say, don't have a rehearsal space because that's an expense. Mm-hmm. Just rehearse over the internet with each other. I'm never going to say that because that would be silly. And to me, suggesting that you should live at home if you if you can is one of those where it's just like it's just not and you know i do i don't have the best home life and never had the best home life which is another point he's going to raise so maybe i am a little bit more aggressively against the idea of of Mm -hmm. living at home but i also think that you know moving out of my my family home and becoming my own person was an important part of putting me where i am now nothing will teach you more about the realities of fucking life the realities of financial stability and like making smart decisions than having to actually make those decisions living at home and just knowing i can always fall back on mum and dad mean that you never fucking learn any of these things i don't know but you never learn them but you certainly learn them later in life which sure. makes it you, you have less life experience yeah. or potentially less life experience i was quite fortunate i am quite fortunate i've got a great relationship with my parents yeah i i other than space, I probably could move back in if I wanted to. But I moved out because I wanted to. I wanted to take that next step. So, and I totally agree with you. I think even if you are your own independent person from whatever age you are, or you're completely mollycoddled, which I'll be honest, I pretty much was. <laughs> so when you move out, oh, reality. Okay then. <sighs> Number five. They don't think of their band as a business. Um, we've kind of mentioned this a few times. Even just today, and you have mentioned that since the podcast has started and beyond, 
Yeah. And we are going to F- not even read the details on it. We don't need we to. Yeah, we, need we're to treat always it as talking about that. Yes, you need to um, maximise income, minimise outgoing, be savvy and think long term. In theory, we talked about it at the start of the show where I'm like, guys, like I can't be doing doing uh, timestamps for this show if the show isn't viable. You know? Mm-hmm. And if if as I said, if this show drops down to us only having fifty viewers, we'll still do our best to, to make you a show, but those shows are gonna be shorter and shorter and we're gonna put less time into it mm-hmm. because this is a business. We're 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 running a business. I'm running a business my own business and then the guitar souls is a business on top of that. And you if you treat it as anything other than a business, then it, it it's not that it's doomed to fail, but you know, every other aspect of your life suffers. If it gets it. if it gets really bad, sorry to interrupt you. I'm literally going to make us record topless and do it on OnlyFans. <laughs> There's your paywall cunt. People will like that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get more fucking yeah. crazy fan fiction. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> Number six, assuming professional advice is too expensive. Yeah. Depends entirely on the context. You don't need professional advice if you're playing gigs in a local pub once a month. Sure. You might need professional advice if you're looking at touring, if you're looking at signing with a record label, if you're looking at self-releasing, if you are looking at marketing, if you're looking at taking on management, if you're looking at taking on a booking agent, a PR agency. There's there's nothing wrong with seeking advice, but at the same time, you should really know where you're at, you know what I mean? We'll we'll just use this example. Okay. Learn, for example, from Talking Heads. Their drummer Chris France recently told me a story of how the group was once offered a production deal with a since-deceased high-profile musician who had been friendly to them. They had minimal funds at this point and were excited by the opportunity but decided to get the contract checked by a lawyer. It turned out the agreement would have left them with no ownership of the resulting recordings. That lawyer's fee may have been the best investment they ever made. But that's not even really professional advice is too expensive. I would say that's probably more a know what you're signing. <laughs> You don't even need to go to a lawyer for that. Read it yourself and be like, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> no, if you're confused, get genuine sure. professional advice. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm I'm planning on seeing a financial advisor next month um, to, to make smarter decisions um, because guess what? Nobody knows everything about everything. Um, and much like I learn music from people more experienced than me, um, I learn I learn about my finances from people that are more experienced than me. You know, take the advice of people out there. We're also in a very tumultuous time, so it's not a bad idea to <coughs> plan for the future from people who are likely trying to work out what the trends are going to be yeah. and how to keep yourself as safe as possible. Um, okay, I've tried to avoid talking about the Russian war. Uh, it's not really to do with the Russian war, if we're honest. It's, it's kind of to do with that, but uh, it's absolutely to do with that. The, the consequences of the sanctions. Uh, I mean, have you looked into it? The consequences of the sanctions are that uh, Russians aren't allowed to. They've been, but there are two hundred products that they've been banned from exporting now. Mm-hmm. Um, as in, internally, Russia have banned them from exporting them. Not that other countries won't take them, but yeah. yeah. But the, Russia's not the only place it does valves. Sure. The, the problem is that Russia was, <laughs> it, yeah, it was the most reliable source yeah. for valves, yeah. um, which is a pain in the arse. So the thing I didn't like about this article, and I'll read the headline for that reason, if you don't mind scrolling up, is the headline's a bit clickbaity. Mike Matthews, owner of Electroharmonics, says no more Russian vacuum tubes in 2022. That, to me, read as if Mike was saying, I'm not buying them. That's not what's being said. Right. What's being said is, as you said, Russia aren't exporting them, so we're not going to get any Electroharmonics branded Russian tubes or whatever comes for them, um, yeah. soft tech, etc. Now, China, as I said, we're building a lot of the valves using old Russian machinery, given that that was all ex-military and it was yeah. used for cathode ray TVs and um, things like fighter jets and military equipment. Sure. But a lot of the Chinese building has stopped as well. Was there not a factory that got 
Yeah, there was a, there was problems. Flood and There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. I was looking at someone recently. I saw on Facebook a friend of mine was looking for um, um, postage methods from Japan because a lot of the postage methods from Japan are no longer in service because they traditionally would all fly through Russian airspace and they can't do that anymore. These these things are gonna are impacting are going to impact us in ways that we never really thought would 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 impact us. Big time. But we're we're in a Otherwise, we're in dangerous times or whatever, but we are. We really are. That's the truth. Strange times. Very much so. It's not as a... I'll let you do... uh... Not as safe as we once were um, on a lot of fronts. But, um, yeah, so this was Mike Matthews' statement. Yesterday, Russia imposed a ban on the export of some 200 goods in response to the sanctions imposed on it over the current conflict in Ukraine. We've confirmed that the ban applies to our seven brands of Russian tubes. Currently, the ban is set to remain in effect until the end of the calendar year. Given this export ban, we will not be receiving any further tube inventory for these brands. A myriad of pressures, including continued strains on the supply chain, escalating internal expenses, mounting inflation, and an ever-evolving legal landscape, particularly in light of the Ukraine conflict, have created a very fluid and ambiguous environment. Until we can properly assess the impact of these factors, we will not honour any new orders or ship any more Russian tubes on back order. Rock and roll, Mike Matthews, founder and president. That's pretty wild. So... What I'm taking from that is the very limited stock they've got they want to keep a hold of yeah. for any number of reasons. It could be because they want to profiteer and sell them at a higher price. <laughs> I, I don't think is the case, to be honest, because every deal I've had with Electroharmonics has been pretty positive. Even though they've only got one dedicated repair um, and warranty service within the UK, the chap that I spoke to when I had um, issues with my 0.50 Magnum, yep. the power amp, couldn't have been any more helpful EHX himself couldn't be more helpful in supporting him support me and even though I bought it second hand they helped me out with a new power supply for it and everything so it doesn't sit well with me to think that that, that would be something they would do but it's not without possibility yeah. scarcity does do that I think what probably would be the case is Mike's trying to just nobody makes any orders nobody gets any and that's it there's no arguments over who gets them and who doesn't yep. and that'll be it so there's a couple of different brands that that affects and they're Quite high-profile brands. So. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a problem, but um, yes. if I have to take the, the Kemper out of the rack in order to stick it on top of a cab to play live with that, then that's what I'll do. Then so be it. Yeah, the only people that this should really, really upset is boomers who are tube or die, you know? Uh, that and, like, real um, hi-fi audio enthusiasts. Yeah. People who are, like... It has to be analogue, classy, <laughs> isn't it? Not, I don't even... That's classy tube. Don't remember. It, it has to be analogue, this music that was recorded digitally mm-hmm. we have to listen to it with analog on analog um <laughs> see the thing is but a good blend of both still sounds amazing sure. a friend of mine had a, a set of magnaplanar speakers you know the big panels yeah. the wire panels um a really really high-end uh dac so that he could run his flak files from his computer through that then through a valve preamp power amp into those um maggies and i've never heard anything like it in my fucking life it's like being at a gig and because they're so directional when you're in the room, you can stand in front of them and you take a step back and it's like a different dynamic and you can hear everything in them. Yeah. Anyway. No one can hear this currently. I've just got it playing that's um, cool. visually, visually for people. As you can see, Fender and Hot Wheels. So there are, what, 16? 16, yeah. Hot Wheels-inspired models. That well, that guitar had an engine start button on it, which is super cool. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Every one of them I've seen so far is fucking minted. I mean, that one, not so much. That's a weird pickup, but is that like one of... Like a like a re, um, that looks like a Satriani. <laughs> it does. Um, see that last one with the weird bridge pickup was yeah. that like a, a re um I'm not sure. covered? See so the, the the um 
I can't remember the name of the pickup, but it's got like a single rail, a blade, and you can also put it to P90 mode. You know the ones I'm on about? Sure. This is... um. Look, kind of like, it looked like a kind of foil pickup. That's kind of cool. I mean, none of them are particularly to my style. Sure. But they are all fucking cool. Yeah, I, th- I think that's why I thought it was worth kind of looking at. Not because any of them are particularly earth-shattering, uh, but just because that idea of... Uh, Design tweaks. Fender like. doing a flying V, like a road style uh, V, with a trim. Master Builder Apprentice, interesting. Oh. Um, I've got Vins and study fucking serial numbers. Did you see that? Yeah. That's cool. That purple sparkle with the silver plate. Sure. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I, <laughs> I see this one over here. Is that is that the monster symbol? Um, <laughs> Nearly. I, I actually saw it on the screen over here and went, is that a McDonald's? <laughs> McDonald's guitar. Um, yeah, you know, nothing. Uh, there's nothing on here that I particularly want to own. Nah. And I, I, you know, I've done the fuck Fender thing for a long time. And I feel that way. But also at the same time, I did say that, you know, if I had 10 grand, I'd probably pick up a custom shop telly. Um, I, I'm, I don't want to think of this as promoting Fender. Because nobody's going to buy this, buy any of this stuff. Uh, I mean, people will buy this, but none of our viewers are going to buy any of this. No. Um, <coughs> it's always just nice, though, to look at something that's that's a little bit different. That, the, the blue one that you said looks like Satriani, the rounded kind of super strat style one with yeah. the, the trim and the two humbuckers, that is fucking cool. I'm not that keen on the inlay, yeah. but the rest of it, finish and hardware, pretty bang one. What's your favourite on here? Um... Favourite in terms of configuration or favourite in terms of finish? Favourite in terms of you can have one of them. I can only have one? Yeah. It's a hard choice between the blue rounded, the purple metallic strat in front of it to the left, and the red strat to the right of it. Mm. So basically what I'm saying is any one of them that's a super strat, I'm probably going to have. The Telecasters are pretty cool, but none really catch me. Yeah. The white one's cool with the red O3 on the front. That's all right, but it just looks a bit like a squire. Being a telly guy, I, I... That's what I go for, right? So initially, I'm like, oh, I like this red one, but I don't like the monster logo on it, or the uh, or the McDonald's logo on it, mm-hmm. and maybe a bit plain. This one over here, well, the Hot Wheels thing is the wrong way on it. I think it's good if you're hanging it on the wall, but if you're playing it, it's you know, it, the, the design of um, this text being one way, and then the text on the headstock being another way. No, thank you. That annoys me. Yeah, it's about aesthetically unpleasing, um, isn't it? I was just going to say the same about this one. Well, it's funny you say that. I would pick that one, but if you were playing that, the stripe's the right way, but then the three is the wrong way. I it it looks like somebody's going to be looking at that and going like, "That's that's someone with like one eye with an uwe mouth." Yeah. Why why have they got a weird emoji typed out on the front the front? Every one of these guitars is not aesthetically pleasing to me because, aside from potentially, I guess that blue and the purple sparkle one. and that's because every single one of these is designed to be hung on a wall, not to be played. Every single one of them, the text on them always is aligned so that the guitar should be standing straight up. And for that reason, you know, I think it's a bit disappointing. I I would agree with you. I, I think it's just that, that we touch would have made all the difference. And you know what? I actually think a part of that is as well that the um the strat shapes are probably a bit easier to build flow of whatever you're putting on, on them. Whereas the Telecaster, because it's a single cut shape, it's probably harder for them, to, or was harder for them to design it and go, how do we ergonomically make that sit? That's fucking terrible, actually, that flying V. The fuck? Um, aye, silly about of consideration, but... I like this one, actually. Mm, cool like the, the finish, I like the pinstriping on it, on it but yeah, aye. Yeah, the pinstriping's cool. It's nice. 
Yeah. Um, uh, interest with a probably probably uh, that one. Yeah. Oh, I mean that's why the natural wood headstock on you know, it. But... You know what it looks like though. You gave that a black black headstock and that'd be a winner. Without being a dick, right? Do you not think that looks like a Daisy Rock guitar? It makes it look really yeah. cheap. <laughs> Which is a bit disappointing because it could have been done so cool. That the car that it's based on has really cool silver pinstriping. Oh Christ, I can see the prices for for them. So that that sparkle guitar is uh twelve thousand six hundred pounds. Fourteen thousand dollars. Everyone's got an individual price. Yeah, um, and they're all not worth the money. Yeah, Let's none, move on. None of them worth the money. Every one of them is five figures, and that tells you all you need to know. Yeah. You don't need them. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly has fired back on the uh, the pickup. So I, yeah. I should have paid attention, actually. The dude that made that TikTok um, video. We're pals on Facebook. <laughs> right? Uh, I was just scrolling through my feed, and I saw his response, and I was like, oh, look. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're, we're pals. Cool. Fine. Um, cool. So he made a mistake. I, I don't see why it's a big drama, though, because it's not as if he's saying necessarily he definitely doesn't play guitar on it. He's saying that it looks like he doesn't. He certainly did put a lot of heat, heat Machine Gun Kelly's way. And in his apology video, apology feels like the wrong way of putting it, but in his clarification video where he mm-hmm. holds his hands up and says, I was wrong, you know, I didn't mean to, I didn't want to put that heat on you, I didn't want to start any drama. Um, and he apologises. I found it funny, but also at the same time, like it's very disingenuous to mm-hmm. do what he did in the response video, which is he says, if I, he makes this joke and it is a joke. He says, if I'd taken two seconds to actually listen to any of your live recordings and then it played some clips of Machine Gun Kelly playing solos live, he would have said, I would have immediately realized there's no way in hell you're miming that. And he's, he's laughing about the fact that Machine Gun Kelly's a bad player. And it's like, you can't apologize to someone also while fucking poking fun at them still. <laughs> you can. Because he did. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> but you shouldn't. It, but, yeah, it takes a bit of the focus away of you actually making a sincere apology. Yeah. However, I don't care about that. So, um, um, who cares? It's yeah. probably the bigger point, really. And um, I thought when I seen Machine Gun Kelly's reply, I was like, honestly, I don't care. Sure. Terrible as that is, I don't uh, care. But on the note of TikTok, TikTok announces its own music distribution service, Sound On. The platform is already available in certain markets. Okay. Is this going to be good for musicians or are they going to be scalping us yet yeah, again? Probably be, probably At its core, the reason I never took any interest in TikTok is the reason TikTok took off is because it was it was it took off based on copyright infringement. It took off based on people stealing other people's content and like lip syncing along with it and stuff like this. And artists weren't getting paid. Sound on claims it will pay one hundred percent royalties to artists in the first year the music is on the platform and ninety percent after that. Although the exact payment specif- uh, specific specific specificities yeah. through different distribution platforms remain unclear. See how I had to slow right down there? As if I was in fucking primary school. It's like a uh, Big Daddy. Heap? Heap Hop? Heap Hop Anonymous? <laughs> I had that film one the other day. Damn you! You give him the easy ones! <laughs> what a fucking Rob Schneider. What a great actor. Um, so, Oli Oli Oberman? Yeah. Global Head Music at TikTok. Uh, Global Head Music? What a strange job title. This this um actually highlights the the problem I think with um with musicians and the music business. Not the the statement. This was on Ultimate Guitar, and this has been downvoted to oblivion. Um, and therefore, when I was scrolling through the the guitar Ultimate Guitar news stories, this wouldn't jump out to you because there's no upvotes on it. So it's there's no it doesn't highlight in any way, shape, or form. Um. This this was posted days ago. This should have more fucking people talking about it because this is a the potential to be a really fucking big deal, positive or negative. Doesn't matter what way you look at it, it's going to be a big deal. 
TikTok offering a music distribution service is going to be potentially a game-changing deal. Considering bands are turning to TikTok to start marketing their stuff because how huge it is as a platform, but the organic reach is fucking ridiculous. So yes, it is a prime candidate for being a big player. Yeah. If it does it right. Yeah. Um, so Ole Oberman says, new artists and musical creators are a vibrant community within TikTok and SoundOn is designed to support them as they take the first steps in their career. I don't know about first steps. Uh, our SoundOn teams will guide creators on their journey to the big stage and bring the expertise and power of TikTok to life for the artist. We're incredibly excited about how this will surface and propel new talent and how SoundOn will contribute to an increasingly diverse and growing global music community. be very interested to see what the terms are if you're going to be paying out 100% of royalties. Very interested. Well... You know, the thing they don't really talk about is how, uh, how, Ownership. not even that, it's like, how is it generating revenue? TikTok's a free service. And are you going to be trying to encourage your, your users to buy things? If you're going to do that, your prices are going to need to be fucking rock bottom. Absolutely rock bottom, because guess what the alternative is? Listening to them for free on Spotify. So I, you know, I don't think that anything major is going to come from this, uh, but it's, uh, it's certainly important. It's relevant. Definitely. Be um, interesting to keep an eye on and see what happens from now um, on. Yeah. Right. Uh, two no, two more things. Uh, we'll actually do this one. Yeah. Eminem sets new music industry record for the most gold and platinum singles, which doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, the rapper has passed Drake and Rihanna with over 220 million certifications. Absolutely mind-boggling numbers. Eminem has broken the record for the most gold and platinum singles certified by the RIAA as reported by NME. The organisation announced last week, on March 8th, that the rapper became the artist with the most gold and platinum certifications in the 64-year history of the award recognition. Pushed by the feedback after its incendiary performance at this year's Super Bowl, uh, sorry, after his incendiary performance, Eminem was recently awarded 73.5 million new uh, certifications, which grant him a total of 166 million singles and 61.5 million album certifications, leading to a whopping total of 227.5 million. The musician has surpassed Drake and Rihanna, who occupied the industry's top positions before, <laughs> with a measly 163.5 and 151.5 million certifications, respectively. So Eminem's jumped past them with, what, 70, 80 million? Yeah. Fucking hell. So Mitch Glazier, the CEO of the RIAA, congratulated the rapper on a statement. Uh, these awards recognise Eminem's unflinching commitment to his craft and the enduring connection he has forged with fans over the last 20 years. Congratulations to Eminem and his entire label team who have set the bar higher than ever. Yeah. It's fucking mental, man. Far from the first honour that Eminem received by the music industry, as he's one of only seven performers to have three or more Diamond-certified albums that sold more than 10 million units in the US. The rapper stands with Garth Brooks, The Beatles, Zeppelin, The Eagles, Shania Twain and Whitney Houston in this all-star club. Absolutely baffling numbers. Yeah. How much money do you think he's worth? And I don't mean Google it because you could, you could look up how much you and I are worth. I'll tell you it's fucking several billion. Yeah. What a shite. Yeah. So um, it reminds me of uh, we we talked about uh, on the show uh, previously where I said it. You know, it took it took a white person doing rap uh, for the labels to care enough to market it uh, and for rap to really break out. And I remember in the comments someone saying, "Actually, Levi, actually." The UK's first real experience with rap uh, that everybody heard that was really popular was Blondie doing it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, sir. Let me let me stop you there, right? Just because somebody did a rap, that doesn't mean you uh, have been exposed to rap music, <laughs> you know? like, Or that, that it's genuinely been actually yeah. marketed. Yeah. A rock musician 
or a punk musician or a pop musician doing a rap isn't you being exposed to rap music. It's you being exposed to rap influences. Unless said music is also incredibly popular in that scene, in the rap scene, then it doesn't fucking count. Much like, you know, there are great examples of... Did you hear uh, Did you hear David Bowie's last album before he died, Black Star? I've never well, listened to it, actually. Well, no. guess what? It's full of jazz musicians, So and they play some jazz licks on there. So there you go. Jazz is was an an incredibly uh, incredibly that's not a, a a word an incredibly popular genre of music the the year that was released no that's not how it works I'm sticking to my guns on that one um, it's fair enough I think it's just I'm pretty much speechless at the fucking numbers involved yeah the fact that he's <laughs> awarded seventy three point five million new certifications right on the fucking dot is absolutely disgusting yeah like not a bad way just a, a crazy number to even try and conceptualise. Anyway, let's move on to the one that I actually don't really give a fuck about. Noel Gallagher right. thinks uh, there'll never be another Oasis because working class kids can't afford playing today. Uh, the quote is, there's lots of singer-songwriters, loads of middle class bands wearing guitars as opposed to playing them. So this is less about his quote and I know class consciousness is something that you um, you take an interest in. Yes. Um, and anytime I see a title that has the word working class in there. You um, click it to see what I'll say. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Fair. Um, because I'm I'm unsure on whether or not I agree with him. Uh, working class kids can't afford playing today. I disagree with that. I fundamentally disagree with that. At the end of the day, <coughs> at the end of the day, if you um if you make music and that music is financially viable, mm-hmm. there's always going to be a predatory group, a record label, <laughs> somebody that will look at what you're doing and go, "We can make money off of what you're doing," and they don't. They don't. That's why Oasis was was successful. That's why every band throughout history has been successful in fact we might see elements of it now where you you're seeing affluent kids having successes in the music industry but i still think they're probably the outliers i i really do feel that way um I, i'm not so sure that class really comes into it when it, except maybe for opportunities yes when it comes to music but at the same time if you're talented enough and your music catches people then you're probably going to have some form of success regardless yeah and as you say if someone picks up on how marketable you are how valuable your fucking assets are then yeah. it wouldn't matter whether you stayed in a fucking skip or a mansion yeah it I, genuinely wouldn't i'm not interested in reading his quote or anything but nah. and that's kind of silly because i'm going to criticize the, the headline there will never be another oasis good you need to really define what that means are you talking about a, a big band with guitars at the front of it because biffy clyro did it Big time. Did it, did it mega big time. Um, Continue to do it. Do you think that no band did it after o- Oasis? So what do you what do you mean? You mean a band making that sort of music? Well, yeah, because it's not relevant anymore. It's it's a different time. It's music from a different time. There'll never be another Led Zeppelin. Like, um, even though Greta Van Fleet are trying it, uh, there'll never be another Led Zeppelin. Um, yeah, there will never be another Oasis. But it's, I just don't think it's got anything to do with class. I think it's that you know music and culture evolves and the sounds that we're interested in that well, the, the the music buying public are interested in aren't the sounds that oasis made anymore so it's a weird one i so, don't think that's because of class no i think that there's always going to be bands who make it probably a lot bigger than anybody else who does something similar or maybe even does it better mm. for a, a multitude of reasons and oasis were one of those bands that just came at the right time with the right sound and ended up with a crazy cult following. Sure. And you'll still get that regardless. It's still, yeah. still going to happen. The Arctic Monkeys did exactly that. Yeah, big time. Fuck. I mean, it's, it's not the same thing, but Enter Shikari. Hmm. They're an 
a rock band that went <laughs> fucking bring the horizon <laughs> stadium tours uh, come I on mean, it actually annoys me that, that title isn't even a functioning sentence because working car sorry working class kids can't afford playing today afford playing today what does <laughs> it's like broken english that you would get on like a like a really cheap aliexpress trim me, me and melissa were looking at um we were talking about sampling in music and uh, there's a great video that she uses uh, when she was teaching songwriting and it's somebody going through and sampling the songs used to make uh, Smack My Bitch Up. I have seen that and it's yeah. incredible. It's incredible the amount of work that goes into that and so much so that none of the original recordings and composers of the original recordings have any songwriting credits on it. You don't have to. Um, it's been reworked. Yeah, and it's like, sure, kids today, middle class, sorry, working class kids today might not be able to afford to buy a guitar. But so what? Technology is so cheap that that's not stopping kids from making music today. The thing that's stopping kids making music today is not wanting to make music. It's a very saturated market, and there's a lot of talented people out there who, regardless of how much money they have, can get away with making ridiculous music. You don't have to have all the gear to do it, as you say. There's so many VSTs and stuff out there, yeah. free if not cheap, that you yeah. could fucking do anything. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't there in the, I was going to say 70s, but no, fuck, I'll stick to the 70s for, for bands like Zeppelin, right? Mm-hmm. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. All, through all these, I wasn't there for any of them, so I can't tell you how common bands were, right? But I would just imagine that actually... Um, there may have been fewer bands than there are then sorry than there are today um because you know the music that these bands made went on to influence people to pick up instruments and make music mm-hmm. bands are fucking ten a penny now they are fucking everywhere the reason you can't stand out in a band making music is because every day thousands tens of thousands maybe a million new songs are written and released and you can't stand out amongst the din. Oasis didn't have that problem. They didn't need to fight the endless hordes of, you know, oh, there's 10,000 other songs that were released today. But it's not even just about them being released. It's just how ingrained yeah. hearing music is on the radio, yeah. on TV, yeah. Spotify, other streaming platforms, like people releasing stuff on YouTube, on yeah. Facebook, self-promoting. Yeah. You're, you're just so inundated with media. Yeah. And it's a good thing, but also a really terrible thing. It's got fuck all to do with class because yeah. it's easier and e- it's become easier and easier for people of any class to make, release, and record music. I'll, I'll read. Sorry, the, record and release music. I get you, but I'll, I'll say the um the, the second paragraph. Yeah. kind of gives more of a context as to what you're saying. So, however, Gallagher's comment reads more as a critique of the times we're living in rather than the music itself, as he claims that even if there were young teenage musicians hungry enough to push themselves to the music world, um, they probably wouldn't be able to afford workable equipment, let alone find a rehearsal space without booking an actual studio. Let me, I'll just read this, right? Where are the 14-year-olds in bands now? Working-class kids can't afford to do it now because guitars are expensive and there's no rehearsal rooms. He's so fucking rich that he has no idea of the reality of the situation. What do you mean where are the 14-year-old kids in bands? Carry on. I'm going to give him a second statement, yeah, though. Yeah. They've all been turned into wine bars and flats. There is so or are so many venues and, like, grassroots is probably the term I would use, grassroots establishments that supported local musicians building their stuff that have been wiped off the face That's of the true. planet because of gentrification yeah. and profiteering. However... That doesn't change the fact that that wouldn't stop 14-year-olds in bands. That would well, stop they're having more places to play. Metallica famously have Garage garage Days, Garage Inc. Garage Inc. Garage Inc., yeah. Uh, which is paying tribute to, um, you know, what it's like to be a garage band. Mm-hmm. 
there's a program called fucking Garage Band. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need a rehearsal space in order to be in a fucking band. In fact, I tell you what, you're actually showing your privilege now here because when I was a kid, the idea of having a rehearsal space, couldn't afford a rehearsal space, couldn't do anything like that. We just had to hope that somebody that we played in a band with had a garage that we could go and play in or a house whose parents would let us play in it, you know? Yep. Because that wasn't a fucking option option for us. We didn't have the money for a rehearsal space. We had instruments. Mm -hmm. And saying that, like... Working class kids can't afford to do it now because guitars are expensive. I'm fucking sorry. I bought my first guitar secondhand. It was a pile of shite and I paid £100 for it. It was bought for me as a Christmas present, right? Um, £100 for my Washburn BT9. You can now go on Toman and buy yourself a Harley Benton guitar brand new for £80. Probably quite high quality as well. Guitars are cheaper than ever. So fuck up, old man. There's lots of singer-songwriters, loads of middle-class bands wearing guitars as opposed to playing them. But four or five guys from a council estate can't afford guitars. Quite a weird blanket statement to make, to be honest. If your point is that we should be supporting younger musicians who maybe don't have access to instruments and going with that creative uh, outlet, I'm totally for that. But it's a bit of a blanket statement to say that people can't afford guitars and that's why there's less 14-year-olds in bands. Nah, I don't know. Yeah, asking everybody that's listening to the podcast now, how many of you consider yourself working class? How many of you own instruments? <laughs> how many working class people do you know? How many of them own instruments? Like, this is well, just such a ridiculous position to take. Absolutely ridiculous position to take. So, Plus, most schools, local authority schools, will have a music program. Yeah, You will have access to instruments there. And by the time you've started learning to play guitar, if you are interested, then you've probably got enough of a back to say, well... Maybe I should invest in a guitar, whether that's you save up yourself or someone buys you one. Or you get one cheap second hand or a friend gives you one or the school gives you one. Like that, It's just a bit of a weird blanket statement yeah. to make. I, I'm sure you meant well there, Noel, but nah. Yeah. Detached from reality. Yeah, detached from reality. Let me bring you... Which is unfortunate, because I think he meant well. Sure. Um, I just, well, I guess what, what, I get, what I'm getting at when I draw attention to something like that is uh, there are sometimes reasons other than class you know for for causing problems in this situation i just don't think classes you can blame class for a lot of things but if you it's just if class is just going to be a scapegoat for everything being wrong Mm -hmm. then you'll never get to the real true you'll never fix any of the actual problems Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. scenario i don't think class is the problem so he's just gone on there well you know it's it's rich and poor people fuck up is it like the problems in the music industry have always been the problems in the music industry there's always been rich people taking advantage of coming full circle here taking advantage of creatives who aren't good with money who don't know how to get good advice and sign bad deals and they make money off of your hard work and they do it with their expertise but uh, without you they have nothing and that's the way it's always fucking been so to say that now all of a sudden like yeah sure we could talk about how much money noel gallagher has made but how much money has he made for rich record execs what do you want to think yeah more than more than he's made for himself, I would happily say. I, so, I, yeah, I would yeah. be very shocked to find that he would even match yeah. what they've made an income from Oasis and his music than yeah. anyone else. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and if you want to do something about it, Noel, you know, you're a multi-millionaire. You can buy a lot of guitars with, with that sort of money. Why don't you buy a lot of guitars and go and just start handing them out on council estates? Oh, Maybe he does. I can give him some advice, actually, though. If he's looking to go and buy some new guitars, you know where he could go? This show is brought to you by our friends over at Ormsby Guitars. We want to remind you guys that there is still time to get involved in the upcoming Run 16 guitars. Those include these incredible hypes available in five new colours. That Dragon Burst is absolutely stunning. You can also get your hands on one of the Metal X's, again available in a range of finishes. 
My personal pick has to be these headless Vs. Absolutely outrageously cool. Imagine one of those in an 8-string. I absolutely love these. And finally, the Ando San Signature Model, available in 6, 7, and 8-string availability. Go and check them out at Ormsby's website right now. This show is also brought to you by our friends over at Rev Amplification, a one-stop shop for all of your tonal needs. Head on over to their website to check out their range of lunchbox amplifiers, both the D20 and G20, 20-watt amplifiers with built-in two-notes torpedo technology so you can record direct into your computer. If that doesn't suit, you can also check out one of their highly popular G2, 3, and 4 pedals, giving you that trademark Rev tone in a stomp box. Incredible tones, I use these myself. And finally, you may notice in the back of these videos, a Rev Generator 120, an absolute masterclass in modern electric guitar tones. Check it out at their site now. As always, a huge thanks to our friends and family over at both Ormsby Guitars or Rev Amplification. Uh, as I say, don't, don't listen to me in that ad read. Go and check out the latest run of guitars from Ormsby. Go and check out the Rev stuff and you will find something that you enjoy. I'm going to cut this super short because I know Mike needs to prep before he goes out to visit his family in the States. Mm -hmm. I hope you have fun with your family for, for a while. That'll be fucking great, um, mate. Can't wait. Guys, we may have something to present. I may have something to play for you next week. Um, if Mike sends me something, he might send me some videos of him with his family. Um, if, if I can get you a wee 20-minute episode with me talking about stuff with Melissa and then cutting in a clip from Mike. Well, the thing is, I'm going to have um, a laptop with me. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, and I've got some editing suite. So anything I send you over will probably be already edited. So that'd be a lot easier yeah. for you. Get me whatever you can and uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do. See if I can put something together. So Sound as a pound uh, made. Thanks very much for tuning in, guys. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. Go and tell Buy Me A Coffee that they fucking suck. And Mike, until next time. Fuck Buy Me A Coffee.